Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 19-26, called, For Me to Live as Christ. So we happen to be in a study in Philippians, coming to one of the verses that would be the centerpiece of the book, and probably a life verse for many of you, uh, a very familiar verse, and it reads this way, it's 121 of Philippians For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So we're going to read this section together. Let's just read it as you're seated. Paul writes, uh, Philippians 1.19, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame In anything but with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live, 22, on in the flesh, this will will mean fruitful labor for me. I do not know which to choose. I am hard-pressed from both directions. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better, Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Father, we are so grateful for this uh, passage. It's uh, one of the most amazing, powerful passages about the reality of life and death, and and also the reality that the Christian can say to die is actually a gain. The world would say that's the most tragic thing that could ever happen. But for Paul, it was actually a gain. And yet he knew, Lord, and I think this is in keeping with the whole theme of the book, that for him to remain on in the flesh was necessary for more fruit to the glory of God. For the Philippian church and many other churches that Paul had planted and ministered to. And thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that our our days are written in your book before one of them came to pass. And you have a plan. And that plan is to use us to bless other people. To not merely live for ourselves and look for our own personal interests. But for the interest of others. To let this mind be in us. Which was also in Christ Jesus who left the glories of heaven to take on the form of a bondservant, made in the likeness of man, laying down his life to die on that terrible cross. Lord, we're so grateful that Paul really lived that out. And we can too. We can have this great hope. And a person who can live for Christ and even have this view of death, well, there's no reason that they won't have full joy and they don't have to really be worried about much. So help us, Lord, with all of that. Teach us what you want us to know and to go deep into our hearts tonight. May you be glorified in our response to your word. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. To me, to live is Christ. And Paul, as he begins, he says, I know that this shall turn out 
for my deliverance. Now remember, uh, he, Paul is in Roman prison right now. He's in a form of house arrest. So deliverance had to be something that was certainly on his mind. The word deliverance is translated as salvation in the King James Version. It is actually the word soterion in Greek. It's where we get the idea of the study of salvation, which is called soteriology. Whenever you see an ology on a word, just remember that just means the study of something. So theology is the study of God. God is theos in the Greek. Ology onto the word just simply means the study of God. So in this case, soterion is the word that is translated in most modern translations as my deliverance. I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your intercessory prayers and the provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul had been telling the Philippians and they had been wondering about what was going on with him. And it had been about four years since they had seen each other. And Paul wrote the letter to the Philippian church and probably word had gotten out that Paul was in prison. And so Paul makes this uh, incredible treatment that we studied last week where he says, hey, my imprisonment, my chains have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel has spread as a result of my chains. It's gone into Caesar's household. And we shared last week that sometimes the things that we go through could simply be for gospel advance. To get the gospel to someone who may be close to you as you go through something personally and all of that. And so Paul talk, talked about the furtherance of the gospel. And another aspect, he said that my chains have emboldened other believers to be more confident about them sharing the gospel. So two things that happened. Paul says the gospel has been furthered into Caesar's household by my chains, my imprisonment. And secondly, believers have become more bold. They're, they're saying something like this. If Paul can do it while he's in chains, then I can do it while I'm walking around free. Amen? And so those were the two arguments that Paul had made, that God had turned things around for good because that's what he does. But certainly the human side of Paul or any of us would be, yeah, but what about me getting out of here? <laughs> it's wonderful to talk about gospel advance and God taking something I'm going through to further you know, more people hearing about the gospel. It's wonderful if even the way I handled a situation has emboldened others to be more bold about their sharing the gospel. But still, I'm walking around in chains. <laughs> still, I have Roman guards that are guarding me. Still, I am not free to go to different places and share the gospel. And on a human level, we would all, you know, the Philippian church would be asking the question, and I'm sure Paul might be asking the question in his heart too. So when am I going to get out of here? But it might be something even more like, am I going to get out of here? And what we can read between the lines here is that Paul doesn't seem to know for sure. He kind of lets us into his heart a little bit to, to hear some of the inner dialogue that's going on in his soul. And he's confident that he's going to get out, but he's not God. God is ultimately sovereign. And he's going to say something in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 17. He says these words, even if, look at 2.17, I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. 
I think Paul is saying there, even if I were to die right now, if I were to be poured out, if my life were to be poured out as a drink offering to his glory and it furthered what Christ wanted to do, I would be okay with that. So Paul doesn't know. Remember, he's supposed to stand before Caesar. And Caesar could say he should die. And Caesar had all the power to do that. And if Caesar said, I'm just done with this guy, I don't want to hear any more about him, then Paul's life was over. And so Paul, certainly these questions begin to arise about what's going to happen. And Paul, with, you know, confident faith, he says, I know this is going to turn out for my deliverance through what? Notice two things in verse 19, through your prayers and the provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is talking about his deliverance, and there are people who think that the word deliverance here could be his physical deliverance from prison. But just about every time the word soterion is used, it's used in a, in a more final sense of a final deliverance as you stand before the Lord on the day of judgment. And so that's usually how the word is used, although it can have a secondary idea of a temporal or like a physical release from a, a tough spot. And so Paul now says, I know it's going to turn out from my deliverance. Does he mean in an ultimate sense, he's going to be vindicated before God? I'll, I'll talk to you about that in a second. But I want you to see two practical things. Prayers and provision from the Lord, namely the spirit of Jesus Christ, which is another way to say the Holy Spirit here. They go together. That is that provision is released to God's people through the prayers of God's people. So that Paul would say, if more help is going to come to me from the Holy Spirit, God is going to use your prayers as a means to get help down to me. Now, I don't know why God has decided to do things that way. And certainly God can pour out any provision he wants without intercessory prayer from anybody. But God has decided to use us to share the gospel. How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? And God has decided in his sovereignty to use our prayers to help other people in situations. You guys, when you're driving on the freeway, do you guys sometimes see the sign, prayer changes things? And, and we might wonder about that. Does it? You know, when we pray, does, does prayer really change things? What I would just submit to you right here, we have an example of it. That when we pray for other people, provision does come from heaven. Now, God is ultimately responsible for all of that. But I will just say to you that God has decided to use our prayers as a means of releasing his power. So if you don't pray, either for yourself or for others, the implication may well be that you won't get the supply that you need. Amen? You see, if you don't go to the throne of grace to find help in time of need, will you get help in time of need? Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. But what if you won't call? Oftentimes God said to his people, you won't call to me. You call to the idols, but you won't call to me. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We know all the verses, right? Well, here... Paul is saying that as you pray for me, provision from heaven comes down. I don't understand all of the angles and nuances of that, but I'll just tell you, that's what the text says. I know this will turn out for my deliverance. Interestingly enough, Paul was pondering 
the book of Job. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I'll talk to you about that in a second, but I want you to see two practical things. Prayers and provision from the Lord, namely the Spirit of Jesus Christ, which is another way to say the Holy Spirit here. They go together. That is, that provision is released to God's people through the prayers of God's people. So that Paul would say, if more help is going to come to me from the Holy Spirit, God is going to use your prayers as a means to get help down to me. Now, I don't know why God has decided to do things that way. And certainly God can pour out any provision he wants without intercessory prayer from anybody. But God has decided to use us to share the gospel. How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? And God has decided in his sovereignty to use our prayers to help other people in situations. You guys, when you're driving on the freeway, do you guys sometimes see the sign, prayer changes things? And we might wonder about that. Does it? You know, when we pray, does, does prayer really change things? What I would just submit to you right here, we have an example of it. That when we pray for other people, provision does come from heaven. Now, God is ultimately responsible for all of that, but I will just say to you that God has decided to use our prayers as a means of releasing his power. So if you don't pray, either for yourself or for others, the implication may well be that you won't get the supply that you need. Amen? You see, if you don't go to the throne of grace to find help in time of need, will you get help in time of need? Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. But what if you won't call? Oftentimes God said to his people, you won't call to me. You call to the idols, but you won't call to me. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We know all the verses, right? Well, here Paul is saying that as you pray for me, provision from heaven comes down. I don't understand all of the angles and nuances of that, but I'll just tell you, that's what the text says. 
I know this will turn out for my deliverance. Interestingly enough, Paul was pondering the book of Job because Paul quotes from Job 13 and specifically verse 16. Let's turn over there. Job is right before the Psalms. Let me just show it to you. Now, y'all know that the book of Job is all about a guy going through terrible suffering, right? God is sovereign over the suffering. We know that as we read the story. Job has uh, questions. Uh, he has doubts. He has complaints. He has it all. You read the book of Job. We all know the verse where Job makes the great declaration Naked I came into the world, naked I'm going to leave it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But that's not the whole story, brethren. <laughs> he spends a lot of chapters complaining. And he has questions and he says, I want to make my defense before the king, which would be God. And in one of those incredible sections, he says these words. This is thirteen fifteen of Job. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways before him. This also will be my salvation. Now that is the, the quote all the way in Philippians that we just read. Paul is musing on the book of Job. Now We've all probably done it. If you've ever been through a tough, inexplicable, hard time, you probably finally decided to brave the book of Job. Amen. <laughs> Did you know that we taught through the book of Job, the entire book of Job, because that's how we do things. <laughs> and it was an amazing study. It's not the most exciting, uh, edifying, you know, encouraging stuff. It's some of the hardest stuff of life. But in a way, it's still encouraging. And here's what Job said. He said, basically, if you decide to kill me, verse 15, I'm still going to hope in you. But I'm still going to argue my ways. This also will be my salvation, or Job might say my ultimate vindication, because remember his friends were accusing him of sin, and he was saying, I didn't do anything wrong, and they were saying, you have to have done something wrong, because that's why you're going through all this stuff. For a godless man, Job thirteen sixteen, may not come before his presence. Listen carefully to my speech. Let my declaration fill your ears, and then notice, behold now, I've prepared my case. I know that I will be what? Vindicated. Back to Philippians. When, when Paul talks about, I know this is going to turn out for my soterion, my ultimate salvation, he's musing on the book of Job. In other words, what informs Paul's point of view is precedent from the Bible. And that is a beautiful thing. And that's often what God will do. We'll be going through something personally and a passage will come to mind or we'll be in a Bible study or maybe you'll be doing some devotional reading and all of a sudden something will leap off the page and God will basically say to you, now that is something I want you to apply to your situation. I want you to stand upon that promise. I want you to understand that I am going to give you ultimate vindication and even though you don't get it right now, I am your God and I will bring you safely home into my heavenly kingdom. You know, we think about the people of Ukraine right now, right? It's on everybody's mind. And we've, we come to find out that the church has been very strong in that area. And there's many believers on the ground there. And, and you know, uh, I was watching uh, the news the other night and a couple of the Fox News people were killed. I don't know if you guys heard this. Uh, some of those on the, the ground reporters that 
are constantly making those reports and you wonder, man, they're in harm's way, right? In some of those cities that are being targeted, well, two of them were killed and another one was injured from Fox News. And, and you're like, you know, this is real life. And, and these things are, are not always easy to understand. Paul being in prison is not an easy thing to understand. Even though Paul says the gospel is getting out to the guards and permeating into Caesar's household and other Christians are becoming more bold to share their faith. Yeah, but you're still rattling chains. You still have to say to the guard, I need to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's not convenient stuff. But here's what's going on. And Paul says, essentially, I know I'm going to be vindicated, whether by life or by death. And so this is the idea. The idea of their prayers and supply is interesting because the English word, the word for supply in Greek gives us the English word chorus, like it is in a musical chorus. So Paul believed that God would vindicate him through a supply of help through the spirit of Jesus Christ, probably called the spirit of Christ here because Christ sent the spirit and the, the spirit came as a result of Christ's work, you could say. So here's the idea. A chorus of help, here's the actual language now, is going to come from heaven as a result of the intercessory prayers of God's people. Moitier puts it this way. The two thoughts of intercession and supply are bound so closely together by Paul that we could translate the Greek, your prayers and the consequent supply that come from them. As Paul sat in Roman custody, here's another commentator, he was confident that as the Philippians prayed, fresh supplies of the spirit of Jesus Christ would be poured into his heart, empowering him for every trial and securing his ultimate deliverance. The word supply speaks of a sufficient supply. The Lord would hear the prayers of his people and bring provision to Paul through the Holy Spirit. Provision literally means to lead a chorus. Whenever a Greek city was going to put on a special festival, somebody had to pay for the singers and dancers. The donation called for had to be a lavish one. And so the word came to mean to provide generously or lavishly. This is from my notes. Sometimes life's chains can cause us to experience a chorus of support that comes from Christ in the midst of our crisis. Amen. Let me, let me kind of put this to the music side of things, since it's a musical word. So when sometimes this is what happens. Songs that you've sang a hundred times, all of a sudden a song goes out and you're going through something. And that song takes on a depth of meaning that you've never known before. Amen? Amen. You ever been there before? I mean, I, there's been times when I've been in a, in a church service and I've... I know most of the songs because I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> and I know the old ones and the new ones and the in-betweeners. But there's been times when the Lord's taken a song and almost poured it into my heart in such a way that it ministered to me with such depth and beauty. I, I don't even have words. And there's been times that he's taken a passage that I've studied before and even taught before and poured it into my heart in a new and fresh way because it was what I needed for the moment that I was in. It became a new song in my heart. Amen. Amen. 
You've been listening to For Me to Live as Christ, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 19 through 26. And as always, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And here's a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your donation helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. It's also part of how we're able to offer our 633 apologetic events for free. There's a lot of behind the scenes to help create this radio and podcast program too. So we're very grateful to our financial prayer partners. Seriously, thank you very much. Now, if you're a longtime listener of Walk in Truth, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month? Every bit helps, so please pray about it and then visit walkintruth.com to donate. And if you can't give right now, would you please become a prayer partner? No need to sign up for that. Just keep this ministry in your prayers. But if you can give a donation, please visit walkintruth.com today. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, you know, when you say to me to live is Christ, um, it life really falls into place. To me, to live is, how would you fill in that blank? You know, we ask that question during this message for a reason. Because when for you to live is Christ, then you can say to die is gain. But you can also say my life will have the right priorities that it needs to have when he is first. When he uh, has first place in my heart. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Philippians 1, 19 through 26, called For Me to Live as Christ. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. 